We're in the last trimester and we're on lesson six. That's what the notes should say in front of you if you have them. And uh, it doesn't sound like a very practical lesson, um, but I believe I can make it exceedingly practical for you and something that I know would be of interest. And I called it Understanding the Ascension Gifts. And I'm only going to read a few verses out of the book of Ephesians as we get started. And so if you have your Bibles open to Ephesians 4, in fact, I'm going to start with verse 7. And uh, I'm, I'm going to read a little bit longer than it's actually noted in your notes. But Ephesians 4, 7, this is what we read. It says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And uh, that passage right there is basically where, along with one other one, I believe it's in first, first or Second Peter, um, that, that we see that when Christ died during those three days, uh, I believe that he literally descended into the lower regions. He descended into hell, actually. And it was there that he declared uh, the gospel in Hades and released that part of Hades that was called paradise. And it was then he took the keys to death and to hell. And as, as he came forth and then eventually ascended, um, um, hell then was, Hades was then reserved only for the unbeliever. And so this is one of those passages that lead to that. But what is also in this passage is what we're getting to. It says, and he himself, meaning Jesus, gave some. Everyone say some. Now some doesn't mean everyone, does it? Some means some. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So not everybody is this. Now, does everyone have a gift? Yes. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But that doesn't mean everyone has one of these. It says some have these. We'll talk about this. Why are these gifts, in fact, we call these ascension gifts. Why do we call them ascension gifts? It's because the scripture says when he ascended, he gave gifts. So we call these ascension gifts, or at least I call them ascension gifts. Some call this five-fold ministry. If you ever hear that phrase, this is what they're talking about right here. I have had some, and I would even say at times I've used this phrase, some call these governmental gifts. And again, I will elaborate on all these concepts in just a moment. But he says some are in these particular gift categories. Now, why do they exist? It says here in verse 12, for the equipping of the saints... Uh, for the work of ministry and for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. Let me stop there as well. I hope you don't mind if I just make a few comments as we walk on. Um, equipping, that word equipping just doesn't mean like I'm giving you your toolbox, Andrea. I mean, you know, if I equipped you, let's say, not that you would want to, but but let's say I equipped you in order to go, uh, uh, well, like the women did. You all went and you cleaned up. Uh, Tri-County ministry. And so uh, equipping could be you come through a line and I give you a bucket and a mop and, and, and maybe the 409 and the Lysol and, and you're equipped to go to Tri-County to do a cleanup work of ministry. I mean, that would be one way of looking at equipping. 
And, and oftentimes, I think that's the only way people have looked at the word equip. Th that word, though, means far more than just, I give you the right tools. It actually means a thorough and complete, thorough and complete, and, and you can slip in the word, supernatural restoration. That's what that word equip means. It's not just, I, it's just not like I threw you a tool belt. Now go, I've, I've equipped you to go fix your house. That's not what that means. It means that there, there is literally uh, not only information, but there's impartation. I'm, I'm pausing there for revelation. You can have information and it will do you no good. We have information on healing and information on deliverance. We have information on being victorious. We have lots of information, do we not? Information does you no good. You, you must get revelation. And not only revelation, but in some instances you need impartation, which means some things can only be caught and not taught. Are you following me? You can't be taught into everything. There are some things you just got to catch. And when you catch it, you know you got it. And that's what this word equip is trying to communicate here. I just, our English language, really, we, we are just so arrogant to think our English encompasses meaning so well. Because the original language, it says that these ascension gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, are in the earth, Jesus says, in order to supernaturally impart something to you. Okay, because all of us, is it not true? We're all saints. If we know Jesus, we qualify for sainthood. Amen. You don't have to wait for the Pope to vote you in. If you know Jesus, you're a saint. And so we get equipped in this way. And then he also says, till we all come, how long do they hang around? Well, this is a great verse. Because some people think some of these things have passed away. I grew up in a church circle that I guess they redefined everything. I, I won't say that they, uh, they got rid of it, but they redefined everything. In other words, an apostle to the group I grew up with was really like a missionary. We called them missionaries. Prophets were just, you know, pr preachers that were just tough on you. You know, they just, they preach on hell a lot or, you know, they just rode your case all the time. They were in your grill. They're just, they were hard or tough. And so we called them, well, they're a prophet, you know, because they just got a tough word. And so we kind of redefined everything. Now, we did believe in evangelists, and we believed in pastors, and we believed in teachers. And, and so what we did in our group is we just kind of redefined everything in order that it could fit our, our, our state of spiritual anemia and powerlessness. And so we felt better about ourselves because we were powerless. But, and how do you get through? People ask, how do they get through the Bible? And don't they? No, they just redefine things. Or else they say they aren't around anymore. That's called cessationism. It fits within dispensational. So you're a dispensational cessationist. So you almost get your prayer language if you say that five times fast. And then you wouldn't be a dispensational cessationist anymore. But this is what it says. It says that all these things are hanging around until we all come to the unity of the faith. Now, have we all come to the unity of the faith yet? No, that's an easy one, isn't it? So if we haven't reached that point yet, then obviously they're going to still be hanging around. It says, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect, or some versions will say mature, or other versions will say a complete man. Now, I don't know that any of us would like to step into that one either. 
I don't know that I can stand here and say that I have a knowledge of the Son of God to completion. I'm not sure I can say that. Maybe you can. <laughs> I doubt that you're being truthful with yourself. But And it says, to the measure of the stature of the, what? Fullness of Christ. Now, see, verse 13 is a great verse because all those things, I can look at you and say, we ain't there yet. And if we're not there yet, then that means verse 11 is still in force. So there are still apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, don't, don't be fooled. I know some people have the title, but that don't mean they're one. There are a lot of people carrying titles that don't have, you know, they don't have the right engine under the hood. I mean, the, the, you know, they're apostle so-and-so, but that doesn't mean that they're functioning as an apostle. They could be prophet so-and-so. Doesn't mean. Doesn't, doesn't matter what the label is. It's what's under the hood. And once we figure out what's under the hood, then you get the label. All right, let's keep reading. That we should no longer, they're hanging around, verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So these ascension gifts are established so we would grow up. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things, there you go, into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Causes growth of the body. So I am of the opinion that that true church growth or true church health happens when uh, these ministry gifts, these ascension gifts are embraced and understood and allowed uh, their appropriate place of, of release. All right, now let's get to our notes. There has been, as I've written in the notes, some mild confusion concerning gifts in the Bible. Depending on who you hear teach, there can be anywhere from 9 to 26 spiritual gifts in the Scripture. I've heard people just pull out the 9 that you'll find in 1 Corinthians chapters 12, and I've heard every number up to about 26. I've heard people talk about spiritual gifts that aren't even referenced in the Bible. I mean, they're just, you know, there's a spiritual gift of, you know, pottery. Uh, you know, there's, I mean, I've, I've listened to, to people who, you know, that, that, you know, they have certain talents. I think what has happened is we've gotten talents and gifts mixed up. You may be talented at something. You know, you may be talented at, at doing uh, knitting or, or even playing the piano. Or, or you can have a, a great talent. That doesn't necessarily mean that's a spiritual gift. We will use the phrase, isn't he or isn't she gifted? And, and, and granted, I, I, don't, I understand why we would use that phrase. There are prodigies, especially in the music field, that, you know, they're born. And by the time they're toddling, they're playing, you know, Beethoven's Fifth. And I mean, so I understand that that can happen. And we'll say that's, that's giftedness. And it's true. I'm, I'm not denying that, that something has happened that has caused them to excel at that. But, but I'm committed to the word. Just because you excel at something does not necessarily make it a spiritual gift. And so I think we've kind of confused talents and gifts and I'm going to hopefully untangle that for us tonight. And if you disagree with me, that's okay. Um, you know, I've looked at it. You may see it a different way. We'll love each other and, and we'll still go after all God has for us. How about that? There's, there's been some, and I've gone through this as well years ago, and maybe some of you have as well, but you've taken a test to determine your gift. 
Now, some, some testing is, is probably appropriate. We'll talk about that in a moment. But, but you're going to see, I'm just going to read you some of the Bible, some spiritual gifts you can't test. It's, it's not about taking a test. Because again, when you test yourself for something, you're, you may just be finding a natural disposition or a talent. All right? Other, some people have said that you can only have one gift. Others say you can have multiple gifts. Well, what, what does the Bible say about it, Pastor? How, how have you come to understand it? Well, I have come to understand that the Bible teaches three categories of gifts, which each one is released by one of the persons of the Godhead. Right? There's three in one. That's called the Trinity. And each person or personality of the Godhead, I believe, releases a portion or a part of the three categories of gifts I'm going to mention to you. The first group we'll talk about, and again, my wife teaches a, a, a long uh, and detailed uh, teaching on motivational gifts out of the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, if you want to turn there real quick, Romans 12, 3 through 8, I, I, I don't know that I'm going to read everything here, but I believe that when you're born again, what happens inside of you when you're born again is that an activation takes place. The Scripture tells us that old things have passed away and all things have become new. The Bible says that you have been transferred from darkness unto light, that, that you are no longer the old person, but you become a new creature. Amen. Second Corinthians 5, I believe 17. You become a new creature in Christ. Literal Greek means something that has never existed before. And so when you're born again, you're not just the same old person who's just been stamped with a new stamp, but God has literally changed your DNA at that moment. I believe that. That's why we preach conversion here. We don't just preach decision. We preach conversion and transformation. And when we're born again, what happens is you are activated into new creature status. And there are certain things that have been dormant or latent inside of you that when the presence of God comes, all of a sudden those things are activated and the Father Himself begins to demonstrate His workmanship or His purposes in you or the plan that He wants to gift you and assist you and favor you in by activating one of these seven motivations that you'll find in Romans 12, 3 through 8. Hear me, everyone who is born again has a basic motivational gift. Everyone. Now, I can't open this can up because if I open this can up, we'll spend the next 10 hours on motivational gifts. And I don't have 10 hours. I have about 26 minutes. Again, we'll just, we'll just talk Pastor Tracy into come teaching us that again. Because all of you have a certain disposition in God that causes you to see life and do life and assimilate life and function in life in a way that doesn't work like another person. I'll just give you just a quick example. Some of you are mercy motivated. I mean, if someone came up to you with the right sob story, if, if you could sign away everything, you would do it. You're mercy motivated. It's easy to get something out of you. You just get mercy everywhere. You're just mercy. Now, some of us are prophetically motivated. We ain't going to give you anything till we get you straightened out. Now, does that make one more godly than the other? No, it makes one motivated different than the other. You've got a motivation gift. Now, I can go through all of this, but I can't because we don't have time. But those are motivation gifts. Everyone now say, everyone. Say, I got a motivation. You sure do. You're motivated by God in a certain way. Now, the second area 
is again a familiar area in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is the familiar passage where we will find what we call the nine manifestation gifts of the Spirit. Nine manifestation gifts of the Spirit. Now listen to me very carefully. I believe that when a person is filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit can distribute any or all of these nine gifts to his people as he wills. Okay? I'm going to read this real quick. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. It says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now, 8, 9, and 10 speaks of all those nine gifts of the Spirit that he will give. And then it says this in verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all... Everyone say all... All these things, in other words, everything that was just spoken, all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills. So a person, when they're filled with the Spirit, I believe the Holy Spirit can distribute one of these, maybe two of these, conceivably all nine of these to people as he wills. Now, again, these aren't talents. This isn't talents here. The Holy Spirit isn't giving you a talent. The Holy Spirit is giving you something supernatural that you, out of your own natural disposition, could not do. So I'll just give you an example. In the group I grew up with, they thought the gift of tongues was somehow being especially enabled to learn a foreign language better. That's what we were taught. Now, I don't know where they got that, but that's what we were taught. Some people learn, you know, foreign languages easier than others. Oh, you must have the gift of tongues. (laughs) No, they don't. They just studied later. No, 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 no. The gift of tongues is supernatural endowment. A word of wisdom isn't that you've, you've, you know, gone to counseling classes umpteen thousand hours and so you're full of wisdom from all your professors because you took these classes. That is not a word of wisdom. A word of wisdom is when God drops in you a strategy supernaturally that can come out. Now, here's the good news. Any one of you, every one of you, can receive one or all of those in your life, supernatural manifestations. And I have found that every believer and any person can operate in any of these gifts. However, I will, I've said it here, a person usually has a propensity to flow in one of those three categories, either prophecy, tongues, and interpretation, wisdom, word of knowledge, or discernment, or faith, healing, and miracles. There are three groups there. Now, I'm not, I'm not forcing people into these categories. You can jump through all those categories. I'm just saying from my experience, it appears as if God will use people most predominantly when these supernatural moments happen in one of these three categories. But it does not preclude you from experiencing any one or all nine of these at any particular moment. All right? Now, we're going to leave some time at the end, and I'll take just a couple questions because I can see questions percolating as people are listening. i got to get to the ascension gifts. These gifts that I just read to you, now remember, motivational gifts, I believe, were released by the Father. Spiritual gifts were released by the Holy Spirit. But ascension gifts, Paul writes in Ephesians, were released by who? Jesus, because it says when he ascended, he gave gifts to men. So he releases these gifts in the earth. And these these five gifts represent the totality of Christ's ministry to us. There's nobody that has ever existed except Jesus who flowed in all five of those ministry gifts. 
And if I had time, I would take you through the Scripture and I would show you his apostolic ministry and his prophetic ministry and his evangelistic ministry and pastoral ministry and teaching ministry. Jesus flowed in all five of those gifts. And when he ascended, he released those gifts in the earth so that now in the earth, we have through this ministry, the fivefold ministry, the full representation of Christ in the earth. It's just, it just doesn't rest in one person. Amen? So, so these gifts come to us, and as they come to us, we, 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 are, we are confronted or, or, or we are imparted to uh, by uh, the Spirit of Christ Himself. Again, we've called them governmental gifts, and Christ distributes these to some, not all, that His church might have order and leadership. Now, this is what I have come to understand this to mean. Those of you that have grown up in different circles, may it may be described different ways. But in our circles, I'll just use mine, I think Baptist circles, it, it works this way too. That there comes a moment when somebody's called to preach. Have you ever heard that? They got the call. And I remember that, that when you went in for ministerial training and ministerial licensing, you couldn't even get your license unless you could clearly testify that you've been called. Now, now, some, if they said they were called to the ministry, that could mean just about anything. But if you were going to get your preacher's license, you had, to, you had to say, I'm called to preach. I mean, that was just, it was, you wouldn't go any further until they heard a definite call to preach. Now, I don't know what they call that in other circles. I don't know how it works in other circles. But I'm telling you that these are the verses that I most often go to when I look at people and say, when you're called what we would call full-time uh, 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 you know, ministry, somehow or another, these things are going to be resonant or moving and, and eventually uh, bringing manifestation out of your life. Uh, and so Ephesians 4 really is what I would define as what we would call the ministry oftentimes that you have, you know, pastors and teachers and, and these sorts of things. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians again, Ephesians 2.19. Let me show you something here real interesting. And I read this the other day when we were talking about the dwelling place of God. Ephesians 2.19, it's the same verse that you're no longer strangers, foreigners, fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of what? And so hear me now. <clears throat> Whether you look at this verse as the corporate church or whether you want to look at this verse as just God speaking to individual believers and how he builds things into individual believers' lives, this is what he says. He says, you have to be built on a foundation where apostolic and prophetic ministry exists or has opportunity to bring impartation to you. I don't believe, and I believe this is one of the problems in the body of Christ is because is because we really, now our circles are different now because we acknowledge that the apostolic and the prophetic exists today. But in a lot of churches, they don't, they don't acknowledge it. They don't have it. There's nothing, there's nothing that even finds its expression. And can I just tell you, believers are not being built and equipped and having foundations because when the issues of life get thrown at us, how come we find so many Christians in America like reeds instead of pillars? And I believe one of the issues, there's probably many that we could address, but one of the issues is we've not allowed apostolic and prophetic ministries to have input within the life of the body and the life of our churches. Now, again, I'd like to think we were the exception to that. And I, 
you know, Pastor Rod has apostolic calling on his life. We will be in February having, uh, you know, Keith Tusi as well, apostolic input. So, I mean, these things, uh, these things, I find their expression and they build us up. They, not just in their teaching, but they leave a deposit. Are you following me? Well, you will here in just a second. Okay. Ascension gifts are dispensed by calling. The Bible says, as I read to you, Christ gave these gifts. College doesn't give them, the denomination doesn't give them, and a church board don't give them. Christ calls. I mean, there's a lot of things about authority that I believe and we teach, but ultimately, whether or not you're called to ministry is between you and God. Nobody can call you but the Lord. And can I just share this? You better make sure it was the Lord because about the time you step into it and you don't have a call, you're going to find out that it's not easy. And sometimes the only thing I've got is I look back, you know, to 1978 when God spoke to me dramatically in a dream and had it confirmed two and three different ways. And there are days I wanted to walk away. I wanted to throw in the towel. I wanted to give up. I just didn't want to do it anymore. I said, Lord, I'll do anything, but I don't want to do this anymore. And he took me back to that moment and he will say, Kevin, did I not speak to you? And then I say, yes, sir. You did. That's what a call is. A call isn't, well, I feel kind of, sort of. No, a call is inescapable. And what happens is, is the call makes the fruit of these gifts resident in a person's spirit. What I mean by that is, is that I mean when God calls you to something, he puts a well that's inside of you. You know, like, like they used to pull up water out of a well. He puts a well inside of you. I believe this. And what that means is, is, is it means that you don't have to wait until the Holy Spirit moves. Like a spiritual gift, the scripture says that anyone can move in it, but it's as the Spirit wills. And so it's just not like we just all of a sudden get to give a public declaration of tongues. Now, you may pray in the Spirit, but that's different than the gift of the public declaration of tongues or interpretation or the word of wisdom. That's not something you can generate. I mean, the Holy Spirit moves you in order to flow in the spiritual gift. But an ascension gift is different in as much as there's a well inside of there. Are you following me? And what that means is that, that, that the one who's called can dip into the well and step into the call. Now, this may surprise you, but I'll just give you an example. There are some Sundays <laughs> that I don't want to come to church. And I really don't want to talk to you. Now, that may surprise you, but it's true. Not all the time. It's not like every other week. But there have been occasions where I said, Lord, I don't want to get out of bed today. I don't want to go. I don't want to, I don't feel like I have anything to say. I really don't even want to talk to him. I just, I mean, it's just how you feel. I'm just being honest. I mean, has anyone else here? I won't make you raise your hand, but come on, be honest. There have been mornings you haven't wanted to get out of bed either. Come on now. So I come in and We'll do prayer time, and it, it may be a great time. You all hoot and holler and running around, and God showed up, and I'm sitting here going, I don't feel a thing. Does that make me unspiritual? Maybe it does. I don't know. But can I just share this with you? There comes a moment every seven days at about 1045 when I have to walk to that place. 
And at that moment, it don't matter how I feel, if God showed up, if you all hooted and hollered, or if it was dead as a doornail. It doesn't matter if Laura and the team had the right set or the wrong set. It don't matter. I'm up at 1045. And at that moment, what do you do? What, what if God's not here? What do you do? You dip into the well. See, there's a well there. And when you, and that's what an, how does an apostle apostle? He pulls it out of the well. How does a prophet prophesy? He pulls it out of the well. How does a pastor pastor pulls it out of the well? How does, I mean, all of these, they, there's a, there's a resident well. And, and God, what he does is he sets these ministries in place. And as he sets these ministries in place, he, uh, he brings them into the body. Obviously he brings it through order. And I'm obviously the invitation comes from me. Um, but they come to us in different ways and different forms in order to build us up and to do all the things that the scripture mentioned these ministries would do. Now, I, I've got to leap or I won't have enough time. What does this have to do with me practically? Now, we're going to get back to all of these gifts individually. So I'm going to talk about why it is that that pastor is like he is sometimes. All right. So maybe I'll give you some insight into my psyche here in the next few weeks. Because when you understand what God created me to be, well, I don't want to get too far ahead. All right. Yeah, you may like me better. That's true. That's Who knows? But what does this have to do with you and what does this have to do with me? Through the years, listen, people have had assumptions, expectations, and erroneous thoughts as to what pastors, leaders, and other called people were to do and be. Now, I, 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 here's what I'm trying to do. I'm going to try to cut down the frustration level in people's lives. I, I don't want you, I would never want you to be frustrated with me, nor would I want to frustrate you. Can we agree on that? I don't want to frustrate you. I don't, I don't dream of ways to make your life frustrating. I, I, I don't want to do that. And I know you don't want to be frustrating. And, and who, who, who wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to see who I can offend today. Nobody does that. Nobody does, but yet it happens. So what's going on? Well, let me just show you what this has to do with us practically. I believe that the congregation of the Lord has two important responsibilities in this area. Number one, you may want to underline this. It's discerning the gift that's before you. In John chapter four, I want to read you a little story here. In John chapter four, this has always amazed me. Jesus comes up to this woman at the well and uh, he begins to interact with this Samaritan woman. This is John chapter 4. And he looks in verse 7 at this Samaritan woman. And he says to her, give me a drink. And his disciples had said had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, now listen to this. If you knew the gift of God that was before you, if you knew, if you perceived, if you understood, if, there, if it was unveiled to you, if you knew the gift of God that was before you and he and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Hear what Jesus is saying here. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, you're asking me a question here and, and we're, we're, we're in this interaction and in this interaction, you're, you're drawing from me from the well in order to get a drink. 
But if something, another level of insight came to you, this is what he's saying to the woman, if an unveiling came to you, if a revelation came to you, and you understood, if you knew the gift of God that was before you, that you would be able, Jesus is saying, as if I were speaking in the, in the first person, Jesus was saying, you could tap something from me that would cause you to never thirst again. Now think about that phrase just for a minute. Never thirst again. What does that phrase mean? It means this that you, you would no longer be looking for cheap substitutes. You would no longer be yearning for something more. You would no longer have any, any other need in this particular area. If you understood who it was that stood before you, there's something that you could grab a hold of that would fix in what's inside of you that's longing for so much. But as it is, if you don't discern the gift of God, what happens? Then you walk away and you're still thirsty and you're still hungry and your need's not met, and you're frustrated, and you're aggravated, and you're agitated. Now listen real carefully. People use phrases oftentimes like these. You know, I just, I'm just not getting fed anymore there. Now, I've heard that so many times. It's usually a code, word for, code phrase for something else, but that's, that's what people, I just, I just don't feel like I'm getting fed anymore. I'm not getting my needs met anymore. And, and, and these words come out in the body at large. Now, could that be sometimes? Yes, it probably could be sometimes. But can I just share this and suggest this? That before you instantly jump to the I'm not getting fed stage, ask yourself this question. Am I understanding what it is or, 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 or who it is or what God has placed before me to minister to me? Now, let me give you, I'll just try to give some practical examples. And we'll get to this in another lesson. I believe that, that I am the set person here. You call me pastor, and that's what we call the set person in local churches. We call them pastor. You know why we do that? It's because we've just always done it that way. Now, it's a title of honor. I accept it. We'll keep using it. I'm not changing it. All right? Pastor. That's just how we identify the set ones is using that phrase. But that does not necessarily mean that my, that my well is pastor. Remember, there are what? Apostles, prophets, what? Is that not true? How many of you all know that? How many of you have been to a Southern Baptist church and you've gone there for a while and it don't matter what text gets started from, it always is going to end up under the evangelism tree. Isn't that true? You know why that is? Why, why do you think that is? He's an That's what's, what's in his well. It, it can't help but coming out of him. You know, Carl Catalanato, a good friend of ours. I mean, he, he, he's a pastor. Now, I'm using the phrase, he's the set one. He's the point person. The pastor, we call him in his local church. But he's, he's full of evangelism. And I mean, they evangelize. I mean, it's crazy evangelism. And he is anointed and gifted and skilled. And it happens. But he has a well there for it. Now, and I know lots of pastors like that. And can I just share this with you? I've heard this through the years. People have said, well, why is it he's always doing this? And why is it that this, this, and why, and why, and why? Hey, if you would discern the well that's in front of you, you would drink from it and then not be thirsty. You'd begin to understand what's before you. Now, here's the smart part. The smart part is, is, is if, if people understand that, then when other ministries come, you get, you get to drink from another well. You get to eat from another table. And what happens is, is that you begin that area that you wanted 
that itch scratched or that need met can come to you. But, but the key is we've got to recognize what's in front of us. Why is it, why is it for me? I, 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 but for me, I mean, I'm always, I'm always, what's God up to? Where are we going? I mean, because there's a prophetic thing in me and it doesn't matter what text I get, I'm going to end up just bringing people to repentance. It doesn't matter. That's just, it's just, it's me. Now that can frustrate some, or you can begin to understand, well, that's just, that's a well that's working inside of him. Now I got to hurry because here's the good part. Listen to this, Matthew chapter 10. Here's the good part in all of this. And I know there'll be a couple questions probably. I'll, I'll do my best to answer them, but I'm trying to help you understand because if we're in leadership, some of you are in leadership training. Others of you are in maturity training, but if, but if you're going to interact with me, if you're going to interact with Trace, if you're going to interact with other ministries, you got to understand who it is you're dealing with. If, if you come to me and you want to there, 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 it's going to be okay. I'm going to disappoint you because I'm probably going to look at you and say, arise. And you're going to say, I don't know that I want an arise. I want a there, there. Well, I'll bring someone in that'll give you a there, there then. Are you following me? Now that can frustrate you. Or that can set you free. See? Because truth of the matter is, you are who you are. And that can frustrate me or it can set me free. But listen to what happens if we get a hold of this. This is what I believe. Matthew chapter 10, verse 40. Listen to this. He who receives you, this is what he's talking to the disciples. Matthew 10, 40. He who receives you, what does it say? Receives me. So I'm just got to stop right here. Jesus is saying, he's saying, you got to understand that when you come up to people, it's just not about them receiving Peter, or John, or, you know, or, or James or any of the, the original 12. But literally when you come, he, Jesus is saying, I'm there. And if they'll receive you, they'll receive from me. Get this principle. I'm not Jesus. Do you understand? I am not Jesus. I am not Jesus. Don't claim to be. Not looking for the job. But listen to me. If you receive me, now I'm, not, I'm not saying into your heart. I'm saying if you receive the ministry, if you'll receive the word, if you'll receive the impartation I understand it's little old me. I understand that I'm nothing. I get it. But if you'll receive me, who are you actually getting? Jesus. All right. Now listen. It says, he who receives me then receives him who sent me. Jesus is saying it works the same way. He said, if Jesus looked at them and said, if you've seen me, you've seen who? The Father. Isn't that a bold statement? Think about it. that would have eared. If somebody would have walked in on us and said, Hey, look at me, you've seen God. We'd all go, Yeah, who are you? That's a bold statement. But listen, then he goes on and gives the principle. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall what? Receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of the righteous man receives what? A righteous man's reward. Now this, I have come to the conclusion that these verses are saying this thing right here, that when I begin to understand what's in front of me, and, and again, February will be a great time because there'll be all these speakers. And that's why Trace and I go off to conferences and we listen to all these speakers and, and, and we're sitting there and we get downloaded into, and it's not just for information, it's for 
impartation and revelation. Because what happens is, is because whatever gift is resident in me and whatever gifts may be resident in you, it's not everything you need. And so when I get impartation, what happens is I become a more complete man, which it says here in Ephesians 4, that I might begin to be built into a perfect man, that I might be made complete and that I might come under the knowledge of Jesus Christ in a, in a fuller way. And so when you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. And what that literally means is this, is that when I can receive a ministry and, 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 and I allow it to impact my life, then what happens is, is that the blessings and the benefits and the rewards and everything that God would have for that ministry, it can get downloaded and begin to be resident in me. I may not, I may not be by God, by calling or by nature pastoral. But do you realize that if, if, if I get in the presence of a pastor called pastors, they can download into me so that Andrea, I may not be by disposition a great pastor and say they're there, but something can be imparted into me that will release compassion and mercy and generosity. Even though that might, you understand what I'm saying? I, and how many of you know, I need generosity and compassion and mercy to flow from me because you aren't going to get through life long without a little mercy and compassion. But can I just share this with you? If, if you're full of mercy and compassion and that's your disposition, let me, you're going to be taken all your life and people are going to abuse you and use you until you get a little prophetic insight and a prophetic backbone. And that's why it's so incredibly important. And I'm just using those two opposite ends of the spectrum to tell you that, that I, God may have called you or dispositioned you or given you motivational gifts and you are you who you are and he wants to use them in unbelievable ways. But I've had people for years, they've looked at me and just say, you need to be more like me. No, I don't. I may need some of what you have, but I don't need to be who you are because truth of the matter is you, you need a little of me too. But, and if we'll receive that, because you see, the only way we get that impartation is from those that have the well, because that's where the water begins to spring from. See, sheep, sheep don't impart to sheep. Shepherds, those that are called like they begin to impart. Now, why do we impart? It's to thoroughly and completely restore you to supernatural ministry so that you aren't left out of a loop. Somehow you're, you're not less than someone else. You're the one that gets to go out in the marketplace and to your work and in your family and in your neighborhoods and in your schools, and you are thoroughly and completely restored to do anything that word says you can do. I'm just teaching you how it gets downloaded into the body. Amen. Now I'm going to, I'm going to talk more about these gifts in the coming days, uh, because they're just some funny things. And I think it'll help us cut down frustration, which is why I, I do this in, in, in school of leaders. And, and I personally think it's interesting and it helps people just uh, receive one another and be gracious to one another and, uh, kind to one another, <laughs> love one another because we begin to understand one another. Amen. We'll stop there. Can I, if you have a question, I'll field it. If not, we may pick it up later. I can take two, maybe three questions tops. None. All right. Because I don't tarry long. <laughs> All right. Okay, we won't open the can tonight. All right, well, let me pray for you before we go. Amen.
Stand with me, will you?